Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Okay, we're in Acts 19, and didn't Pastor Greg do a marvelous job last week? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, 17 and 18, a little rehab, a recapping of... 16 it was so awesome i just said i said to him i had heard him i don't know maybe six months to a year ago do almost the same section of scripture but i said it was like brand new it was nothing like what you did at the other church it was just so holy spirit filled it was so exciting and fun and so anyway i really enjoyed having him here um, because i like to have male and female and Pastor Steve uh, was in Germany celebrating his 40th on his 42nd anniversary because a little thing like COVID ruined that one. So they just got back from Germany and um, they're the ones isolating. And uh, so if he goes the full 10 days instead of the six, we won't see him next week either. And uh, then the following week he's scheduled to be at Life Church if he's still going to do that. So. Anyway, we'll see him in about three weeks then if he does the whole thing. So let's go on with Acts 19, and I hope I'm not in anybody's way. <clears throat> Again, I apologize for this, but hey, this is how we do it here. <laughs> While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now I want to just uh, say here that uh, where it says in verse 1, he found several believers. Among the believers, they called each other believers. Remember the Christian uh, name was given by the pagans to the Christians, and they were that meant like little Christ. So... So when they were talking among themselves, it was believers, but when the pagans were addressing them, they were first called Christians. And we remember what city that was, right? Antioch. Antioch, yes. And so um, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, possible ways that you can look at the scripture, and some people don't look at it the same, which is just totally fine. But since we're looking at the Acts of the Holy Spirit, Paul was noticing, in my mind, that something was missing in these believers, but they were believers. And a lot of people who want to argue against any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit or even, God forbid, speaking in tongues, they, they, uh, they center in on this verse on that too, that, oh, they weren't really saved. So that's what was being spoken here. Well, I'm not here to debate that. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. But I think there's a good argument that could be said, and if somebody really wanted to study this out, that they could. But Paul came to them, and he came among believers, and he, he noticed something's missing here. It kind of reminds me of Priscilla and Aquila, you know, where the guy was teaching straight arrow, wonderful, but... Afterwards, they took him aside and they taught him more fully the way of the Lord. And so in this, he found some believers. And so he had a conversation with them, asked them, 
did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we haven't heard. So we can go on to the next one, Jerry. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, comma, meaning Jesus. I'm only saying comma, meaning Jesus, because in the New Living Translation, they choose to take that alternate view. So I could see where, by looking at the scriptures by um, other people, that they might say, well, they weren't really believers. But I believe that Paul called them believers in the word, and so to me, they are. But, you know, it's not a, a point to have um, a division over. And also, I was going to get this picture, and then I couldn't find it. And now I remember, I think it was in our women's Bible study, and I could have just taken a picture. But I found this awesome picture about baptism, because, see, the word baptism and apostles, those were not spiritual terms. They were terms that were known at that time. An apostle was just a person that was a sent one. It was somebody who had a message. And baptism wasn't a, a religion, wasn't entirely a religious thing either. And in this picture that I saw, it was like you could actually walk downstairs, and then by the time you got to the downstairs, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight or ten steps, maybe there's some symbolism, and it was really seven. But anyway, you'd walk down the steps, and then you would go in um, for a space, maybe say like six feet or seven feet, and you were totally immersed. And then you kept walking, and the stairs went up, and you went out. See, there was a lot of things going on, and in that culture, they could have just, um, I don't know, maybe the baptism of... Hello Kitty, you know, or something like that, or, or, or whatever. But it was just an outward sign of something that you believed. So when he said about the baptism of John, and, and we all know, because we're on this side of the cross, that that was the baptism of repentance. And so they, they got ready, and they're, they're going there. But it says here, uh, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Next one. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So immediately, that just gets me it's so excited that people who our believers would be so quick to respond to the Holy Spirit. When they heard the truth, they responded to it. And I just, like, I'm saying to myself and for all of us, Lord, let us be that people that when we see truth, that we will respond to it immediately. And that we'll just, we'll do, we'll get her done, you know, kind of thing. So let's go on as uh, <clears throat> Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. See again, believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia 
both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had nearly touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I just had to think about that. I'm like, can you imagine, you know, getting all sweaty and working hard and maybe you had a sweatband on and I just can't imagine. But, you know, I'm, I guess I'm more carnal because I can't imagine stealing a headband or even if it was given a sweatband and, and putting on someone else, it just seems so gross. But if it meant that I was going to get healed, I think I probably would just bypass the smell and the sweat and get healed instead. But um, kind of like that idea in the Old Testament where the little servant says to the big king that's all ticked because he has to go, you know, dip in some dirty river instead of a clean river. If he would have asked you to do a hard thing, would you have done it? And he says yes. And so by implication, well, then go ahead and do the thing that you're humbled about, you know, and so perhaps that was a point of humbling for them. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, <laughs> the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I, I just... I just have to, I have to laugh that because I can see it. Can you picture it? Can you really picture it? I mean, really. Let, let's let's just get real here. If you were a, a fly on the uh, the wall watching this, you could just see it going on, and it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They were trying to mess around with God's power, and of course, that wasn't going to work so well for them. And so uh, it just made me laugh. I don't know. It just it made me laugh. I also thought of this time, uh, not quite the same, because at least we were all believers. But I remember there was one time when we had um, church in the garage back in the really, really olden days when there wasn't many places where you could have a free worship that would go on and stuff, at least that we were aware of in our in our community, like 1988, 89, right in there, 90. And somebody had this person that was demonized, and but but and she was like supposed to be this great, you know, person who could exercise demons. And so she thought to herself and couldn't figure out anybody who had Sunday night services. So she ends up, she's in a van. All the windows are up, and she tells me, my husband will be home in an hour, and I've got some things I have to do before he gets home, and he'll be really upset. So here's, I'll just call her name Jane Doe, and um, I have all the windows up, so 
the demons will stay in there, but now I'm going to drop her off here at your church and uh, let you guys go ahead and deal with her. And I, I, just, I just remember the bedlam of the whole kind of situation and finding out who really knew their authority in the Lord and who didn't. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, uh, David and Charlene were there normally and uh, some other ones. And then when it was all said and done, because the woman started manifesting in such a way that made a lot of men uncomfortable. Um, well, my husband at the time said, uh, I think you women have it all handled. I'm going to go ahead and go. And so it was me and Charlene and some other people, and we were trying to minister to this lady. And, but it was total bedlam. And, and when I had whispered in David's ear, to go back a little ways, when I had whispered in David's ear, what do you think we should do? And he says, we have to be on the same page. And that was such, that was such wisdom. But because the evil realm brings with it a lot of chaos, it just made every, almost everybody, but, a, but several women, a handful of women, that would stay and be able to minister to this lady who, who happened to be a doctor and happened by 24 hours later, she was saved. She was back into her right mind. She's totally healed, and she worships the Lord today. But it was just like Pastor David at the time had such a word of knowledge, just like you have to be on the same page, you know. Instead of, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, you know, that wasn't going to work, you know, that we had to hear from the Lord for ourselves and have wisdom. But it was, I can totally re relate to the chaos because the garage was filled. I'm guessing... We couldn't even hold more than 30, and we probably had 30 in there at the time, men and women. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, and then that's only five women. But anyway, I, I won't go into any deeper detail. It'd be just quite embarrassing to the person, so I won't. But anyway, it was like that, almost. So we go on, and next scripture. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike, no doubt, right? A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books were several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia. While he stayed a while, longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. Remember, that's what the believers were called um, by outsiders, and maybe I think by a certain sect of Judaism, they were called the way in, Judas, in Judaism. It, became, it began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. 
He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I sincerely doubt that. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers won't let them. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing, some another. Everyone was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were here, there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He emotioned for silence and tried to speak. Inside, the people were all shouting some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. That's some set of lungs, I'm telling you, two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the cases at once. Let them make formal charges. And if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we know, won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. So there you go. Paul's going to go on his way to Rome, but you can see over here Ephesus. And so I just thought you might like to have that little bit of map there to see it in context. But I remember when we saw the Chosen, and remember how any time that there was any kind of a gathering, if it seemed like it was going to be something, um, they were always concerned that the Romans were going to stop them. 
And so that kind of is in my mind when I'm reading the scripture here, saying like, really you guys, they're not saying they're against anything. They're just declaring what they are for. And if you don't have a good reason, we could be getting the wrath of the Romans. And um, so I, I was thinking about that. Um, I have one more scripture. Uh, this is John 16:7, I believe, because of course I thought I corrected all the PowerPoint, but I guess I didn't. John 16:7. <clears throat> so um, let me read it in this. I don't know which one I I got here. John 16:7. So if you want to read along in your version. Um, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And I've been um, contemplating for the past, say, three months, some words, I mean literal words, that the Lord's been having me kind of meditate on. And advantage is one of them, or advantage. And um, the definition of advantage could be said... A condition or circumstance that puts one in a favorable or superior position, or it is a superior position or condition. And the question I have for myself and for us today is, when Paul met those believers, he recognized that something was missing. Now, this isn't a trick to try to get you emotionally to think that you're not enough because we are enough in Christ. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness. However, sometimes the application of that could be something we might ask the Holy Spirit about. Is there something that you're not experiencing um, in this an advantage in the Holy Spirit? Is there... Is there um, a difficulty or a position or place, a relationship, a workplace situation where you need to have his favor, you need to have his advantage. I want, I want us all to consider with the Lord, maybe the next time that we're speaking with him, that is there something missing in the situation? Maybe. Like if, if you would be like in my shoes, a lot of times I'm task oriented, so I'm just getting the task done, so just get it done, you know? And I don't even think about the Holy Spirit in it. But there have been times in the lives of uh, friends and family where, where critical things were happening, and the Holy Spirit always does come through. I mean, even this, this is just a silly one. Maybe you would have an example that you would like to share in a moment. But um, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night, I'm freaking out. I have to go to this appointment for Social Security. And like, I read the things online. You're supposed to have your birth certificate. So I'm going through my whole house trying to find it, because I know I have two of them, an original and a certified copy. Can't find either one. You know, I'm just going on and on and on. And, and then all of a sudden, I thought, huh, this is like three hours later, and getting in all the mold and all the old files, 
I finally went to the garage and everything. I finally sat down at the table in my kitchen, and I said, God, I've already waited a month for this, this appointment, and I can't find my birth certificate. And I didn't even think that maybe I could have an advantage. I could have a superior position. And it wouldn't have got me all moldy, and it wouldn't have gotten me all coughing, and it wouldn't be all freaking out, right? Because I don't want to wait another month. I, I, I don't like things unfinished with the government, you know, like taxes and stuff. I just, I don't want things unfinished, right? Right? So I'm sitting down at the table, which was set up for a Zoom call. So I have this suitcase that, um, the former church that we had uh, gave me this beautiful suit, uh, you know, it's like suitcase. Uh, is that what you call it? It's briefcase. Not, briefcase, yeah. And then I had the Strong's Concordance, and then I had another book. So it was all lined up like this, and my laptop's on top, ready for the Zoom call, you know, the kind of thing. And uh, I just, like, Lord, I need the birth certificate. And, like, it was just like, well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just said, look in the briefcase. <laughs> so I unloaded the laptop, unloaded the book, unloaded the strongest concordance. I opened up the briefcase. <laughs> it was just sitting there. It was just there. And the totally ironic thing, he just wanted to show me, Francis, and all of your tasks, Remember me, I can help you, I can give you an advantage. You could have, like, you could have saved those three hours and you could have been sleeping, you know, um, kind of thing. And then I went to my appointment the next day, armed with all my stuff, and except for my California driver license, they didn't ask me for anything. So, do you realize the kindness of God? I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you're not like me. But I just wanted to cry because it was like, it's the kindness of God that will even allow a silly question or a silly thing that I think I need, he still answers. Because yes. he's my comforter and he's my advocate, which I thought it was going to be the advocates thing on the government side, you know. But, but he's my, my advocate, he's my comforter, he strengthens me, and he even helps me find something that he knows because he knows it all, I'm not going to need it. <laughs> I'm not even going to need it. And so, um, I don't know if that um, does anything for you or not, but really, it really just solidified more in my heart that he is a good God. And he, he, even if he was going like this, you know, in his head, poor Francis, you know, <laughs> she's not even going to need it, you know, kind of thing. But he did that. And so I, I do want to give an opportunity for anybody, either from your seat, if you could speak loud or whatever, if you have any kind of testimony where you felt like that the Holy Spirit um, ministered something to you. And, and don't worry, if you don't have to, you don't have to all of a sudden put your head down looking at your notes or whatever. It's okay, I'm not going to pick on you. But I do want to give you an opportunity, if you'd like to, to share and maybe encourage some of us who are going through things. So, does anybody have anything they'd like to share? Yeah. I can so relate to what you're talking about, Fran, because I've been there, I try so hard to find it myself, you know, so I can feel adequate. 
Yes. And, and but I always end up going, oh, Holy Spirit, please lead me to that birth certificate, that important paper, that what my keys, my keys, <laughs> just help me. Yes. Help, you know. Yes. The prayer of Peter, and it's like he's so faithful. He does it, and he doesn't make you feel like you're some kind of a dud. Yeah, you know, you your yeah. own self. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wanted to read this, which is right after what you had read in sixteen seven in John. It says, "I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear." But when He, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is to come. And He tells you what is to come, not to scare you but to prepare you for what's ahead. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And like you say, he knows all. He knows everything. Exactly. Yeah. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Pastor Vicki? I think for myself as a brand new believer many years ago that I sat in a room full of many women under great teaching and they would talk about this very thing and I remember sitting there thinking yeah right uh-huh uh, sure a I'm gonna hear his voice and B, you know it's really good that you know and uh, there was something that I had we you know in time in our lives we didn't have a lot of money and I was part of a dance team and I had bought a brand new pair of ballet shoes and needed them and I for the life of me had no idea where they were at and I was in that same thing I mean I tore the house apart the kids toy boxes I thought for sure my daughter had taken them out warm in the grass I mean you know all over and finally just stopped long enough and thought okay well these people talk about hearing God's voice and having him direct them and that he cares about everything for us okay gonna give this a shot and so I sat and I just said, Lord, you know I need them. You know that, that this is part of what I have. I can't afford a new pair. I need these. And I sat, and I waited, and I waited. And I'm like, yeah, right, okay, he's going to really hear me. And I heard him say, I, I, this impression came upon me. Later on, I learned more about that. But that he said, go look out in the shed in the box. And I said, why would I put them in a box in the shed? Why would I do that? <laughs> I said, you asked. So I get up and I go out and I look and I open up this box. Sure enough, there they were laying right on top. Had no idea how they got there, none whatsoever. But it was that beginning step and have used that story with new believers going, God does take a notice and a care about the smallest things in our lives. If we will yes. stop long enough to ask yeah. and then to just, even if it sounds weird, go out in the shed and look in the box, <laughs> look in the briefcase, you know, look on top of wherever for whatever. Mm -hmm. If it's that place of building, A, hearing his voice, and B, knowing that he cares about those little things in our lives. Yes, amen. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Anybody else? Rain? I started a new job this week and I had to go out and see 16 kids. And I had to figure out how to go see the 16 kids in their schools. And they all went to different schools for the most part. And <laughs> I get out to my first school, I think it was Wednesday, by the time I got all the information I needed to go out to the school. And uh, at Arcata High School, and I asked 
to see a kid and I go to a special ed teacher and she she goes to give them to me and he's like, I have goals for today. I have things to do. <laughs> he said, I, I don't have 30 minutes for you right now. And I said, well, if you can give me 10. But I'm like, please, Lord, <laughs> this is my first kid. <laughs> I have 16 kids in one week. <laughs> please, Lord, I have to see a lot of kids. And so um, I, they found a room for us to sit and talk. And that kid talked and he talked. And he talked, and at the end, I finally had to say, you said your time was really important. I want you to reach your goal today. It's been an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the Lord renewed in me. You know, I, I do work with kids. I do have good relationships with kids. You know, he reminded me of the gifts he's put within me to be able to have that kid just share some really depths of his heart. And I had to cut him off, but he's like, oh, you're right, I do. I said, so let's talk about your goals for the week. And we got two goals, and we got up and went to go and said, see you next week. And I said, thank you, Lord. I really need to go to the start of the week. Yeah. And I made pimps on all season kids. Last chance. Anyone else? I didn't die last night. <laughs> Uh, so Robin, Robin was my my check-in for everybody. I drove back from Reading last night, and um, it was smooth except for coming around the corner and there's a big rock slide oh. in the road. And she had specifically pray, prayed for bumper angel bumpers, bumpers around my car, <laughs> um, which was good because I bumped some rocks as I was getting to a halt. Um, so yeah, just grateful that God looks out for us and sets those things up for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. So our closing song is Build Your Kingdom Here. And when I was looking at the words, because um, I don't ever tell Jerry what to you know, pick as a lineup or anything like that. He picks it up, or sometimes Joyce will pick it out. And I just feel like that there is a flow of the Holy Spirit in there. And I was looking at some of the words of the Build Your Kingdom Here and um, Change the Atmosphere. and thing is, in those lyrics, which is the same as in the Lord, is that we build the kingdom first within ourselves and listening to the Lord, and then it just extends out. And we're part of a global family. We're not, we're not just what's between the four walls. You know, we're a global family. He is building his kingdom. And so um, I'm just um, praying today that, that uh, we will choose the Holy Spirit, not as the last resource, like in my case, but as the first resource, as our advocate, as our advantage, our comforter, our advocate, that we will uh, call upon him first and foremost, and that he will guide and direct us in Jesus' name. So. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.